Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. So, so here's why we're going to Proverbs chapter 7. Tonight, we will be talking about, we will be talking through one of, if not the most important proverb for your generation, okay? One of, if not the most important proverbs for your generation, for your way of thinking. Proverbs 7 is a warning from Solomon to his son, and he warns him through an example, okay? Through a story that he tells him of the dangers that can destroy someone's heart when they continually give in to lust, okay? When they continually give in to it, okay? I just can't wait for you guys to go home and like you're in the minivan and mom's like, so what did you guys learn about tonight? And then, and it's just gonna be so good. Um, but, but this is not just important because of lust, okay? This proverb provides such a clear picture of why it's important to be in love with Jesus all the time, okay? Listen, this proverb paints a picture of why it's important for you to pursue Jesus in places other than just the student building. Does that make sense? Why it's important for you to follow Jesus in weeks of your life other than beach camp. Shout out to beach camp. In, in, yeah, we're, we're going, we're going. In, in weeks in we, to follow Christ in weekends of your life other than Collide, which is also coming up. It's, we have all these great things coming up, right, that we're so excited about. But the point, listen, look right at me. The point for, of this proverb is why it's important to follow Jesus in those moments, but in moments outside of that too. You follow me? Does that make sense? So we're going to get in here. Um, listen, this is super important if you're allowed to even write this in your notes, I don't know. Um, to the point of lust, we no longer, we as a culture, we no longer just watch pornography. We live in a pornographic culture. Do you understand the difference? We no longer just watch pornography. We live in a pornographic culture. No, I'm not going to spell it, okay? The way we dress, the way we talk, and this isn't me like, oh, from the devil, uh, no, relax. The way we dress, the way we talk, the shows we watch, the music we listen to, lust and sex has become, and you, you guys know this, lust and sex has become a part of life, it is literally just in the air that you guys are breathing. And, and it's not just, and that's the thing, it's not just like, oh, your generation, blah, blah, blah. How do you think your generation got here? Because my generation was the exact same way, okay? Millennials were the exact same way. Lust and sex were in everything that surrounded who we were. And, and pornography is not the issue tonight. Porn is a symptom of the real disease. Do you follow me? Porn is the fruit of an actual root, and the disease or the root is in the heart of every person that has not personally met Jesus Christ, okay? The real disease, lust is just a fruit of this, okay? You ever like, like, like if, you're, if you're out in your yard and there's like weeds growing and you cut the tops of the weeds, right? What's gonna happen a week later in that yard? They're going to be right back. Yes, Maggie, that's right. They're going to be right back, right? So with a weed, you've got to pull it out by the root. And sitting here telling you, don't do, it's, oh, you're a want of metals. Oh, it's so bad. Like me sitting there telling you, a want of metals are great. I'm just saying, like, take it, we're just taking stuff off the top. 
We've got to get down into the root, and that's what Jesus wants to do here, right? Is get into the root of what's going on. So let's look at the text. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. It should be on the board. Perfect. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Okay? Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Listen, listen. This is, help me out, theologians of the world. This, based on this text, this is a proverb written to Solomon's son. Yes, like three of you. We're like, son. Okay. Written to, yeah, good. Thank you, Brian. To Solomon's son. Listen, listen. This story is being told so that Solomon's son can understand it. It's about physical intimacy, so we know he has to be around teenage age, yet young enough to where he doesn't have a wife yet, okay? Listen, he's teenage age. Look right at me. The Bible is not just for adults or pastors. The Bible is not just for older students, the Bible is not just for your mom and dad. This text wasn't even technically written to them. It's written to you. It's written to people your age. It's for everyone. And Proverbs in particular, listen, Proverbs in particular is geared towards your generation, okay? It's divided up into chapters. They're short, amen? They're short. It's an easy read. Listen, Proverbs chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 10, and 13 all begin with my son or my child. That's almost half the book addressed directly to people your age. Listen, the Bible is not written for you to start later. The Bible is written, it is meant for you to start now. Literally, it's geared, it's not up there anymore, that's okay. Literally, it's geared, because it's in our hearts, right? It's geared for you to start now. It's ready for you to start now. It's, it's ready for you to understand now and take and make your own now. So Proverbs chapter seven, verse one. All right, verses two through three, two through three. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Look at verse two for just a second. What does this say? Keep my, what's the next word? Keep my commandments and what? And live. I have no idea how to explain to you how important the Bible is. Keep my commandments and live because here's what happens. And you can ask the adults in here who have seen it much more than I have even. You have, we have students who come into this youth group every year. And they're here and they listen, sort of, and they hang, which is fine. And they hang out and they're here and we're glad they're here. And then they fade into college and then they fade out of the faith and then they never come back. What you learn here, the seeds planted here, the roots developed here, are what will hold you when you're out there. Do you follow me? 
The roots planted now, the seeds planted now will take root and form and hold you when you're out there. Keep my commandments and live. This is how important this is. This is how impactful this is. Verse three, bind them on your fingers. Okay, write them on the tablet of your heart. Bind them on your finger. What is happening? Like you can't pick up stuff. If it's like, bind them on your fingers. This was a Hebrew practice, you know, there's not gonna be a quiz, called tefillin. Okay, Teflon, which is small little, about this big, small, it's a big rock, if you, I mean, come on, small little boxes put on your fingers with little pieces of paper in them, okay? It sounds like it took a lot of work, like this is a lot of preparation, but that's part of the point. And they put these little boxes on their hands with the little bits of paper in them, and whatever was written on those little pieces of paper was with them all day. You follow that? As a constant reminder. And we might think like, okay, that's a little weird. Like that's a little ridiculous. But it's, it's just their version of when we might take like a sticky note and put it on our bathroom mirror, right? Why is there paper on your wall? Like that's what they would say. But for us, it's not on our, it's, it, or for them, it's on their hands, okay? Or, or a message on your lock screen. Keep it where, and, and his point is, his point is, when it comes to this teaching, keep it where you can see it all the time. And there's something else though here. Where was this binding in? It was on their what? It was on their what? It was on their hands. These were ancient people, right? There were no cubicles. There were no, there was no, there were no offices, right? You just know that, right? They worked with their hands all the time. Everything they did involved their hands. It was so, so Solomon is saying, put this teaching, what I'm about to teach you about lust, put it on your hands. That way is his way of saying, you have to always be thinking about this. This teaching that I'm about to share with you, you've got to always be thinking about it. You use your hands everywhere you go. So everywhere you go, this is gonna be something that reminds you about this teaching. Listen, why does he tell you you gotta think about it everywhere you go? Because fighting lust can't just be something you learn. It has to be a part of who you are. Because fighting lust cannot just be something you learn, it has to be part of who you are. If you're afraid of something or nervous about something, I can't tell you, how, do you feel good when people are, when like you're super nervous about something and people are like, man, you need to calm down. Thank you, oh, what a revel, oh, thank you. Like, now I get it. Like, I just have to calm down. That doesn't help. That doesn't do anything. In order for you to stop being, becoming less afraid, has to do with changing as a person, right? Not just with learning something, you have to be changed in order to be less afraid. And in the same way, to, to, to lower the amount of lust in your soul, your soul has to change. A change has to take place. That's why he says, learn this every day, wherever you are, work this into your soul. It can't just be with you on Sunday morning. It needs to be with you when you go into your bedroom at night or when you're at home by yourself or when you and your boyfriend or girlfriend hang out. This teaching, this teaching needs to be with you all the time, affecting you. I meet so many students who have messed up big time or are consumed with doubt about their salvation and the first thing I ask them is, what is your quiet time like? Tell me what your quiet time's like. What is your Bible reading like? What is your prayer life like? And it's almost always minimal or non-existent. 
And, and it's like, and, it's, and I'm not trying to, thanks, Ryan, now here's something else I have to do. But I am saying it, it's no wonder that they're worried about it because they haven't done anything to help give them a foundation to feel better about it. Does that make sense? This teaching has to be with you always. Listen to me. Your life will change. Not when you walk the aisle at invitation or go to passion or cry at beach camp again, right? Those things are fine. Walking the aisles, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like, no, turn around, don't, don't come. Like, walking the aisles, fine. Going to passion is awesome, right? Beach camp is the bomb. Listen to me, but your life doesn't change because of that. Your life will change when you take the word of God, wrap it around your soul, and take it with you everywhere you go. That's what changes you. And wherever that is, maybe you're at camp and something clicks and all of a sudden it doesn't go away like it used to. It doesn't wash off like it used to. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit works. That's not camp. That's the Holy Spirit working at camp. Do you you see the difference? Look at 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5. So take this teaching with you everywhere you go. 4 and 5, say to wisdom, you are my sister. We'll explain that. You are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, and from her smooth words. So pay close attention to what's going on here, okay? Uh, We all may feel a little with like 4 and 5 right there. And I think that's part of Solomon's point, okay? In Hebrew culture, so call, say to wisdom, to wisdom, right? What we've been learning about the last several weeks that Brian uh, did such a good job of explaining. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Here's why this is important. In Hebrew culture, and even probably in our culture today for the most part, before you're, and this is for the fellows, but it's for everybody too, before you're married, the woman you're closest with is usually either your mother or your sister, okay? And for ladies, it's your brother or your dad or whoever's taking, whatever male or female is taking care of you or directly in your life. Now, look at this, how it's already talking about wisdom as a deep female connection, a sister. And then it says to take wisdom as your intimate friend. It's using intimacy language to talk about wisdom in a proverb that's about sex. Still everybody okay? We're all good? It's using intimacy language to talk about wisdom in a proverb that's about sex. It's using intimacy for wisdom in a proverb that's about intimacy with a person. This is the point that Solomon's making here. Solomon could, could use any language to explain wisdom, right? But he specifically uses intimacy language, love language, in a proverb that's about intimacy. Why? Listen, I wrote it in bold. Because Solomon knows that the only way to stop wrong intimacy is with the right intimacy. The only way to stop wrong intimacy is with the right intimacy. If you love God, if you are close to his wisdom, it will propel your heart out of lust. Like if you're starving, right? If you're starving and you see like, 
I don't know, what's something that's like, uh, like a candy cane? They're all right, they're there, you know? Like if you're starving, you haven't eaten anything in days, and you see a candy cane, that's going to look awesome. But if you turn the corner, and next to that candy cane is like a steak next to a pizza, next to like a bag of Pringles or something, that's whatever you like, I don't know. Like, like now, the candy cane is forgotten. Does that make sense? It's forgotten. And please don't be like, oh, for me, I like it. Okay, whatever. Like, it's forgotten. The only, listen, the only way to, re- to, to deal with lust, because your heart is pulled towards things, right? Your heart is pulled towards things. The only way to get lust out of your life is to replace it with something else. To replace it with something else that is better. And that's why Solomon's using this intimacy language here. Don't wind your soul around a person through their body before it's time. Wind your soul around the word of God instead, around the people of God instead. Six through nine, six through nine. We're not gonna do the whole thing. We're only going through like seven, so you guys are doing great. Six through nine. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through the lattice and I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths, you youths, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense and passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. So this is super important in verse six. Can we put six up there, Bry Guy? You're the man. Um, the dad begins to tell a story. And this is huge. To explain his point about lust, the dad begins to tell a story. Why? Because stories have massive power over us. Stories have massive power over us. Did you, do you want to take a swing at how many streaming services exist? Over 200 streaming platforms are now in existence. The new Avatar movie alone, just the new Avatar movie on its own, has grossed $2.1 billion this year. This is, to bring it down to your level, to, or at least to me, this is why students usually really enjoy it when the teacher's like, hey, we're going to watch a movie today. Oh my gosh, manna from heaven. Like, this is why. This is why you enjoy that over this, because stories are what grab us. It's, story, it's, it's stories are the things that, that change our lives. And here's why I bring this up. You guys in this world, in your world, you guys have already encountered story after story that tell you that casual sex is okay. That hookup culture is not only accepted, it is encouraged. And if you don't take part in it, something is wrong. These are the, is it, I mean, I'm not trying to be like a fuddy-dud. I'm just telling, you don't know what that is. I'm just trying to tell you like, these are the, sorry for my language. You guys are trying, these are the stories that you guys are breathing in. Does that, and I'm not trying to make you feel, I'm just telling you it's out there, right? I don't have to tell you, Ryan, I didn't even know. Like, you know. This is what's out there, that casual sex is okay, that hookup culture is not only acceptable, it is encouraged, and if you're not a part of it, something is wrong. Something is unhealthy about the fact that you're not taking part of it. These are the stories in your culture, in songs, in TV, in social media. Listen to me, we as Christians, and this is for the college leaders too and for the adults and for all of us, We as Christians are not just charged 
to hang on and obey, we are charged to tell a better story. And that's different. That's different than shut your mouth and do it. We are charged to tell, that's part of it sometimes, but we are charged to tell a better story than this. The story of Jesus and his bride, that affects the story that we tell to other people, that we tell the world through our relationships. That story has to be different. Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven. And I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Let's look up at the board here for a second. Uh, Brock Dillard, first line. I have perceived among the what? Thank you. Matthew Campbell, next line. I have perceived among the youths. Good. Um, let's go. Uh, okay, Brian. Yeah. Uh, last one. A young man lacking. All right. <laughs> Thank you. That was great, dude. The simple, the young, those lacking sense. Listen to me. Look right at me. Stuff is about to happen in this proverb to this kid. And the reason it's happening to this kid is because he doesn't know. The simple, the young, those lacking sense. This verse, this verse is the reason, this verse is the reason why we spend hours working on sermons in this youth group instead of coming up with games. Do you follow me? That right there is the reason we spend hours working on how we're going to teach you better and not just coming up with games. Now listen, you guys know we go hard in the paint. We made Gaga Ball t-shirts last year, right? Beach Camp thought we were a part of a team, like a, like a team was there, like some weird too much, right? Like we, we have fun. We do have fun. Gaga Ball, Collide is coming up. There might be a dodgeball turn. It's going to be insane. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to be great. Um, there's, there might be a scavenger hunt. We're figuring out ways where you guys won't cheat this year. It's going to be awesome. But listen, listen. Okay, yeah, there you go. That's the one thing you clap for and everything that I've said so far? Listen, students, you guys know, and adults too, no one has ever had to be taught how to have fun. You guys know how to do that, which, listen to me, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a sign of your creation. Joy is wired into you. You want to have a good time, and that's normal. That's good. Have fun. We were at SOU 201. I was talking to Landon about this. We were at SOU 201 a couple years ago, or no, last summer. Sorry, I'm just rolling. And I could hear Maggie laughing between three walls of hotel rooms. Three walls. I was like, we're, it's over. We're going to get kicked out. Like, it's over. And like, like, I'm not worried about you guys being able to have fun. Oh, they may not have fun in youth. Uh, I'm not worried about that. We've broken like six tables in here. So you guys are having, you guys, yeah, thank you, Julian. Like, I'm not worried about you. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about you guys having fun. I'm worried about this happening to you. I'm not worried about you guys having fun. I'm worried about this happening to you. And when Solomon calls this young person ignorant or simple, he, he's not insulting them. He means they were never taught. They were never shown this way to follow God. They were never shown. You know, in, um, I know you're in here all the time, but in 2 Samuel is when King David just ruins it, right? He sleeps with Bathsheba. It's not, a, it's not a good situation. And then Nathan the prophet comes to David. There's not going to be a quiz. Just hang with me. Nathan the prophet comes to David and tells him this story about a man who stole a sheep and killed it. 
doing, he's, he's trying to draw David out. And David says, Whoever's this, whoever, whoever did this needs to be punished. And Nathan says, you are the one who's done this. And I heard a pastor say one time, because you, you know this story, right? Most of y'all know this story. If you don't, that's okay. You know this story. A pastor said this one time, we've got to be thankful for the Nathans in our lives. We've got to be thankful for the people in our lives who tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it. And I know it sucks in the, in the moment. It's awful in the moment. I don't want to hear this in the moment. And then later, you go to bed thanking God that they did. We've got to be thankful for the Nathans in our lives. And I'm not just talking about me and your adults and your college leaders. Listen to me and just hang here. I'm talking about those who are taking care of you. Your parents, your aunt, uncle, your grandparents, whoever, if, if you're adopted, whoever's adopted you, whoever, whoever is in your household taking care of you, the last, a.k.a. the last person on earth that you want to hear talk to you about this stuff, right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look right at me. I'm telling you. It's grace, and you don't even know it. It's grace that's keeping you here. Your parents are bringing you here, making you, or making you come here, or whatever. And some of you, it's not. And I thank God that you are here, because that's even more radical and amazing. But we have to be thankful for the people in our life. Do you have friends in your life who will tell you things even when you don't want to hear it? Especially when it comes to dating. And if you don't, look, if you, I'm not trying to, ugh, but it's my job to, ugh, if you don't, do you have real friends? Or do you just have people that you have common interests with that you have? Deep friendship, according to the Bible, is when you get in there together. That is friendship. And at, the, at your age, I know it's like, come on, Ryan, I'm in seventh grade. I have like three video games to play when I get home. That's like my priority. That's, and I get it. I respect that. Oh, the good, oh, to be young, right? I respect that. But look, if you can start building, listen, for real, if you could start building those friendships now, man, if you could start, the, those are the people that will be standing by you at your wedding someday, right? Those are the people that you can get in trouble with at the nursing home years from now, right? Like, those are your people. Why not be, why, listen, why not be honest with each other? All right, eight through nine, eight through nine, eight through nine, here we go. And then, and then we'll get into the end. All right. Look how low, I'm so, I'm getting there, all right. Passing along, eight and nine, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. This is a young man, or, and, and in our case, it's perfectly fine if it's a young woman, hanging out on a Friday night with their friends, and then he's, he's wandering towards her street where he knows this place is where he can do these things. And it's like, okay, Ryan, again, I'm, I'm in ninth grade. I have like history homework. There are no streets. Like I don't, what do you want me to apply here? Like how am I supposed to learn? All right, look at me, look at me. I know you're not allowed to walk down some random street. Listen to me, but you probably have access to your phone late at night, right? You probably have access to it. And, and like in, back in my day, I don't know what it is with you guys, but like in my day, it was like when you're dating, you go to your girlfriend's house and then you're, for whatever reason that I will never understand, you're allowed to go down to the basement, just the two of you and watch it. Like we're gonna discuss cinematography. Like, what do you think, I mean, I'm sorry to shock, like what do you think is gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what, are the, what is wrong? <laughs> like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The places that he goes to guide what his soul wants. 
the area around you impacts you. Do you see what I'm saying? The area around you impacts you, and for maybe some of you, it's not the area you're in, but the area you go into online, whether you, when you hit the search tab on Instagram, what are you scrolling through? The, the, and again, I'm not trying to be like, you need to, uh, your TikTok, uh, like, I'm saying, but, but listen, the, what you surround yourself with impacts your, envi- it impacts you, listen to me, and this is, I'm not, I can't do big practical stuff here with dating because it's a matter of the heart, but I do need you to listen, look right at me, two, two groups, ladies, You've got to date someone who leads you into the living room rather than the basement. You've got to date someone who leads you into the living room rather than the basement. Do you follow me? Fellas, lead them into the living room rather than the basement. You see what I'm saying? And it's not just about like, well, my house doesn't even have a basement. Okay, I got it. Like, but you know what I'm saying. These areas of privacy, these areas, where, like, like you don't know what could happen. Come on, guys. Like, like you don't know. And, and listen, listen, listen. And, I, and I've said this before. I've said this before. Ladies, they will if you let them. Fellas, this is where we've got to lead here. This is where we've got to lead. And, if, and the only way it's going to change is when we change it. And I know that's not fair, because you guys are too young to have this put on you. But it is on you. Think about how many weird old people just be trying to be young all the time. They do. They want to be young. Oh, to be young. Okay. All right. Like, they want to be young. Listen, listen. They're watching you. They are. People, like media, entertainment, all of it funnels through what do young people like. So if you guys can change the narrative... The whole thing starts to unwind on its own. You see what I'm saying? Ladies, you got to date someone who leads you into the living room rather than the basement. Fellas, lead them into the living room rather than the basement. Verse 9, and then we'll, then we'll finish out. Oh, yeah, we got to go. All right, verse 9, here we go. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. He goes at night. This, this, this is secret. He knows it's wrong. He knows what he's doing. Saying I struggle with lust is like a thief saying, oh, I just struggle with stealing. Like, you see what I'm saying? This is a part of who you are, okay? This is a part of who you are. So, so if it's a part of who we are, what are we supposed to do? How do we change this? Do we have John 3, 3? Right, guy? You're the man. Look at what Jesus says. So if the problem is in us, How do we fix it? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How does this happen? We'll get to it in just a second. The the problem is you and me, then we need Jesus to make us new. Remember, behavior modification is good. Changing your behavior is good, but it's like cutting the tops off of weeds. You've got Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit has to come in and change the root of who you are. That's, what ha- that's why it's called the new birth, because it is a new you, literally. Not a New Year's new you, not a Disney Channel new you, but a literal new person, a new creation in Christ. Only the light of Christ can keep the darkness of lust away. Only the light of Christ can keep the darkness of lust away. A couple practical things, and then we'll get into the end. 
Listen to me, first of all, if lust or pornography, and, and so, so, okay, so it's, like, so it's like, all right, Ryan, I have to be born again. I don't totally understand what that means yet. I, I, what, what can I do? How do I get into this? Here's where, if lust or pornography is an issue for you, if lust or pornography is an issue for you, you have to tell someone. If lust or pornography is an issue for you, you have to tell someone. Okay? And and listen, I'm and I mean us adults and all this stuff, I'm fine if it's if it's me or or Brian or Hannah or Haley or Kendra or or whomever, right? Or Jackson, but man, you play guitar great. Can I talk to you about my what I'm wrestling with right now? That's fine, whatever. Listen, listen though, listen though. You could tell me, and that's fine. I'm with you. I've we've I've talked to kids before, and that's great. But I'm listen, can we just I'm only with you one hour a week. I I want to listen and I want to help you, but you're going to have to, listen to me, you're going to have to tell someone who's with you more than just we are. Who, can, who maybe can help you control your phone access when you don't want to do that. You're going to have to. Don't take notes for a second, just look at me real quick. You're going to have to. This is the only way out of this. And, and some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've got to get help from the outside. You've got to. You've got to. Here's the other thing. Are you, while well, I'm just like continuing to just dig this hole, uh, if you're in a relationship right now, and, and, you, and, and this is not where I'm going to be like, you've got to do this and that. If you're in a relationship right now, let me ask you a question, divided up into some other questions. If you're in a relationship right now, are you seeking to follow the Lord in your dating relationship? That's what I'm asking. And as you and some of you guys are like, I'm not dating. Thank you for the reminder, Ryan. I'm not dating anybody. Like, but listen, listen. For that day's coming. That day is. And I and I know it's like, uh, what are we doing? But like, I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, Ryan was right for the three billionth time. Okay, whatever. So listen, listen. Okay, sorry, not sorry. So, are you seeking to follow the Lord in your relationship? And notice, notice, I didn't say a word about physical stuff. Because again, if I just tell you, quit doing what you're doing, blah, 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 it's just like taking something off the top. It's not going to get into the root. Are you seeking to follow the Lord in your relationship? Well, what does that mean? Do you, do you and your significant other talk about Jesus at all? At all? Like, are you, got, like, are you guys sitting at Waffle House together talk, at, at any point in time talking about Jesus at all with the person you're dating or interested in? Do, you go to ch- do, do they go to church regularly? Doesn't have to be here. I'd love for it to be here. Do they go to church regularly? Listen, listen. Do you? Maybe you can't control them, but do you go to church regularly? And it's not about church. It's about being around places and people that, remember, what you're around influences you, right? Being around these right, can you, can you, can you be the type of person to where if someone wants to date you, they're going to have to come through your church doors to do that? You see what I mean? Notice this too. Back in Proverbs 7, he spends verses 13 through 21, listen to me, explaining how lust doesn't feel bad. Okay? How lust doesn't feel bad. In the moment, it actually feels good. It doesn't feel bad. And here's why I bring this up, because so many people are like, oh, you're going to hate it. Oh, it's awful. Oh, you'll hate it. No, you won't. 
No, you won't. And this is part of the problem in Christianity is that we teach kids, for a different example, let's pause on lust for a minute. We teach kids, we're going over time, it's going to be awesome. We teach kids that non-Christians, people who don't believe in Jesus, are fire-breathing aliens from another planet. That's what we believe. Like the, like the fangs are going to just, don't, don't do it all, oh, the claws, it's going to be awful. Like that's what we teach kids. And kids believe that their whole lives. And then when they get to college, they meet non-Christians who are, wait for it, nice, who are hardworking, <gasps> who are hardworking. And they think, well, if my parents were wrong about this, what else were they wrong about? And you tug on that thread and the whole thing starts to unwind. This is why Solomon is honest about how lust feels. Look at verses 22 to 23, 22 to 23. So he talks about how lust feels, and then at the end, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. This is the way that leads to death. Cultures that break down sexually break down totally. You're seeing it happen in 2023. And it's all over history. Marriages that break down sexually break down in so many other areas too. Now listen, why would Solomon spend verses 13 through 21 talking about how it doesn't feel bad and then tells you it's gonna kill you? He spends all this time talking about how good it feels and then he tells you it's gonna kill you because he's saying you need to realize that you can't base right and wrong on how something makes you feel. You cannot base right or wrong just on how something makes you feel. Solomon just said, this feels good and it will kill you in the end. Just on how it feels is not enough. Just follow your heart, right? Follow your heart. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Jeremiah 17.9 says this about our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? A lot of people on Instagram have, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nobody got this on Instagram. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Listen, in your spare time, you need to go back and read a history of Nazi Germany. Listen, okay, and I'll connect it to lust now, right? Listen, listen, and you know, maybe some of you know, the Nazis didn't take over Germany, y'all. They were voted in. They were voted in, which means a majority of Germans believed in their heart that Hitler knew what he was doing. Well, if my, you cannot just base something right or wrong based on how it makes you feel. Feelings are helpful, but they're not the ultimate driver, right? Okay, last part. If my heart is what's wrong, if I have to be born again, what, what, what now? If my heart is what's broken, what do I do now? Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. This is it, and we'll finish, and then the band will come back up. Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. Look, if your heart is deceitful, if, you're, if you are your own worst enemy, then what should we do? This is what the Lord says. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is why it is so crucial, so crucial 
for you guys to be involved, yes, at church for sure, but involved in reading your Bibles, in writing these things on your hands, right? In keeping these teachings with you because that's the surgery that God uses to give you a new heart. Because one day, church is boring and stupid and why am I here and my parents are dragging and all of a sudden, it changes. It's not boring anymore. You want it and you didn't used to want it. You're reading your Bible. When I became a Christian, I was like reading my Bible in the living room and my mom was on the phone. Upstairs. My parents are like big projectors. They don't hide any. They just like are going to be out. And she was talking on the phone with her mom and she was like, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know, I don't know what he's doing. I can't believe this is happening to him. Like the Lord takes your old heart out and gives you a new one. And when he used to be boring, now he's beautiful. That's what salvation is. That's the new. That's why I'm not giving you 11 tips on better dating, blah, 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 because it's not going to last. It's not going to work. When the Holy Spirit changes your heart, that's what now all the teaching starts to stick, and you want to honor God in your relationships. That's the key, is trusting in Jesus and following after him, and we want to help you do that.